welcome back, everyone, to ExoFriends, the ExoSquad podcast on the Outer Millennial Network. As always, I am David Hoyt, and I am joined by... Kayvon Fashami. And Lexi DeCorning. No one, no, one, no one can see it, but I'm just deculating like a good like YouTube millennial. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, quickly, before we get going, shout out to Richard Foster on Facebook. Um, that's, uh, for in terms of the mystery of what JT stands for, a... Uh, it's... It's so fucking obvious, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what did he say? What? Hang on, fill me in. What's going on? Go ahead, Kate. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, on the post for our last episode, where we were uh, discussing the mystery of uh, J.T. Marsh. I'm still, I'm still kind of firmly in the Django Turducken camp. But uh, Richard has pointed out that uh, he's pretty sure he read somewhere that the J.T. and Marsh's name is an homage to James Tiberius Kirk or James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise on the you know original uh, Star Trek series, uh, which seems like the really obvious you know kind of connection to make here. I mean, I'm still yeah, going to go with Justin Timberlake, Marsh, but, you know, that, that works, too. I'm good. I'm good with Justin Timberlake. I'm good with, yeah. I'm good with all of the suggestions. <laughs> and and, and their uh, friend of the show, Michael, as well as a couple of other people ha- have also written in to our email and our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash EN network to support the show mm-hmm. uh, to, to confirm that idea. Okay. Okay. So we're going with JT, James Siberius. Kirk Marsh. Um, so, is he, does he have? Is there another initial in there that's missing? Maybe JTK uh, Marsh. Maybe maybe it's just the James Tiberius, since those are James Tiberius Kirk's first two initials. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm kidding. I'm just messing. So hang on. So was, was <laughs> so was Captain Kirk JT Kirk? Yeah, James yeah. Tiberius Kirk JT right. James T, and he usually goes by like James T Kirk. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. So, I'm you know late to the Star Trek thing <laughs> that's all right someday we'll watch i mean i'm mostly personally i'm a uh, deep space nine guy um uh, yeah i don't watch any of them there are there are two new star trek properties that i really like um yeah, yeah like uh there's a cartoon called lower decks which is all about like the people who don't work on the bridge and <laughs> uh, it's like it's like a kind of almost like not quite as crass, but like Rick and Morty level comedy, just like you know zany action and things like that. Um, and I like Discovery. I don't care what any of y'all say. Like it is fun as hell. It's uh, it's a story about like bef- like it begins when uh, the Enterprise is on its mission mm-hmm. and so far away from everything, and talks about like the Klingon war and shit. It's got time travel shenanigans later on, but you know, it's, it's action. It's fun. And it's pretty good. writing. Pretty good. Not as good as the other shows, but I like those two shows. No matter how much flack they get. Fair. I'm trying to remember which one discovery is. Cause I think that's one of the ones that like came, I feel like there were like a bunch of them that came out over the past few years. Uh, all while uh, I was writing my dissertation and I am completely. D- discovery just started two years ago. And like, it's, they did, they they changed the visual look of a lot of things. Like Klingons are no longer just black people with sloping brows. <laughs> oh well, that's that's probably a good update. Yeah. Wait, what do they look like now though? Uh, use uh, quickly Star Trek Discovery. Klingon. All right, let's see here. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, okay. I mean, fair enough, I guess. It, it's I I they're, 
a lot of people hate it. Uh, I can see why they do too. They're very shiny. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm kind of like, okay, it's not just black folks with like sloped brows, maybe okay, but also like, uh, okay, I don't know. It, it is, it is, it is breaching into dark elf, like, blackface territory, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, you're they're alien species, so it's like, okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm just more like. I'm not like thinking of even the political any politics oh. with this. I'm just not sure. I I grew up, you know, I grew up watching. My parents are both Trekkie, so I grew up watching Next Generation, and like for me, like Worf is like the the kind of ideal type of a Klingon, and it just yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I will always love to. the original, but I also like the idea of like if you gotta create a vision, don't feel holds like chained to that right sure like you want to yeah. you want to make something new make something new and they made something new and i you know it's yeah. it's fun for me at least they also they also ride on the mushroom network which is my favorite thing to say the mushroom network what, what the fuck is the mushroom network that I, sounds I great for you. <laughs> uh, can i get on the mushroom network <laughs> can we do some network. mushroom network right now <laughs> yeah. i'm always down to network while doing mushrooms so yeah. if you guys want <laughs> i know um, a guy i also i did want to share with you guys quickly sorry while we're talking about deep space nine because that's like my only real um experience of star trek because i think that was on south african television in the 90s i remember watching it on my parents like little black and white tv that they had um and there was a south african news anchor uh rion kreewagen it's like an afrikaans news anchor but he looked exactly like data in the 90s and so I feel like there's a whole generation of young South African, well, now 30-something South Africans of my generation who grew up thinking about, like, the character Data as just Rion Kravachan's other career. Hmm. Heck yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, you gotta look, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, um, speaking of Star Trek and Deep Space Nine, uh, this episode is called Dragon's Rock. Uh, it is written by Mark Evans, Hans Belmer, and Richard Manning. Hans Belmer and Richard Manning, uh, most of what I found about them is they are pretty big uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine alumni. Awesome. Ooh. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, not, not a whole lot more that I saw about, about them. Uh, Richard Manning does more than writing. He does producing and a lot of other stuff as well. So Why he's does... higher up in the food chain. I see you've got a show called Night Watch here, also as um, mm. as uh, one of Richard. What's why does that sound familiar? Because you're probably like hoping it's Night Rider, but it isn't. No, it's, I, I I definitely I remember because like, I love Night. Oh God, did I love Night Rider as a kid? But like Night Watch, the show, I feel like that was like one of those like Saturday afternoon, really low budget uh, TV shows. So it definitely looks like that from what I'm what I'm seeing in a quick Google image search. But I, I had I, I had always remembered seeing commercials for Nightwatch, but never watching it. Okay, I seem to recall because I remember sometimes like every now and again if it was like a rainy Saturday afternoon or something I would like come inside and just like watch TV and there would always be like there's really like like there was Renegade. Do you remember that show with like Lorenzo Lamas? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just a bunch of other really like cheesy, I don't know if they were in syndication or if that was their like actual runtime, but it was just like really bad, you know, like three o'clock Saturday afternoon, just like really bad network TV shows. Um, and this kind of looks like that. looks like Benjamin Bratt was in this. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the Wikipedia and it, it basically, it's, it centers around the activities of the Knights of the City, um, which is basically... <laughs> They were modeled after the real-life Guardian Angels, if you remember about what the Guardian oh, Angels were in the 1980s. God, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that was the premise of the show. <laughs> oh, God. So they're just like the Guardian Angels. That's hilarious. What's, yeah. what's the Guardian Angels? So, oh, wait, oh you God. see these people. They are a hoot. <laughs> um, so back in, uh, I think it was like in the late 70s into the 80s in New York, um, there was this like weird vigilante movement um of like oh, no. new yorkers aren't doing are doing anyone anything <laughs> <laughs> right they like it was this whole like we're gonna clean up the streets thing i i don't remember i don't know like a ton of the history of it but i don't think it ended well i think they might still kind of be around but it was like a whole dumb dumb thing where it was supposed to be, like vigilante patrols of the new york streets to clean up crime and i'm sure they mostly just wound up like harassing black people um but yeah that wow so that's, that's not how you do a neighborhood watch guys uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah apparently they are still around huh. um great <laughs> i learned something today <laughs> maybe i had been better off if i didn't know about them <laughs> oh man yeah so that, that's all i could find about those two guys i'm sure all right. Like they, they, have a, they have a few good episodes, but nothing nothing really noteworthy. Um, yeah. So uh, we, op- we open on Able Squad reuniting on a cloaked ship after the missions, uh, simultaneous missions on Earth and Ceres. Uh, JT asks for an for two volunteers to bring supplies to the Venusian resistance. Of course, Nara steps up. She wants to go see James. And Bronski burps because JT <laughs> says the word cake, and JT volunteers him for that. <laughs> Claiming he'll never burp again, but we all know that that is a lie. Yeah, it's a tall order for him. Um, I do like the whole notion that his like stomach wakes up at the mention of cake, though. <laughs> is, it, is he like what's what's that what's that character from Total Recall? Like if he opens his his uh, his shirt, is he like a little like live creature there? Oh, oh yes. yeah, 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 yeah. The like he's like the main resistance leader guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Bronski's well, stomach underneath all that uniform and padding and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've seen we've seen him shirtless before, so we know that's not true, unless it's like folded in as like his <laughs> rippling stomach muscles that we saw before. Oh, uh, Alec, of course, spill spells everyone's doom by saying this mission should be easy. All right, it's like no one. It's like amazing. No one slapped him. Like, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like, dude, seriously. <laughs> Imagine if Marsala just walked up and was like, slap. So I have a I have a question. There's something that occurred to me watching the beginning of this episode is they're like kind of moving in and out and like popping popping out of these stealth ships and like um, sneaking all around. Is how have the pirates not this whole time just been doing like not just raiding stuff in the outer planets but like serious like hardcore guerrilla actions all throughout the solar system like all the time? Yeah, because they didn't like. It's not like they've had time to build ships. Mm-mm. Like the exo, I don't think the exo. I guess the Exo Fleet did get to Chaos. But, like, 
those ships are gigantic. They all look like they're the size of, like, the Resolute or the next ship down. Right, right. And they're, like, doing all kinds of covert ops. You know, the Neosapiens, presumably, have a very good surveillance network and that they're still able to do all these, like, covert ops. So it's like, why aren't they, like, raiding Venus and doing all these other, like, causing all these problems, like, all throughout the solar system instead of occasionally just, like, attacking a freighter in, like, the belt or whatever? Yeah, and, like... It doesn't seem like they lack the capacity to make big guns. Right. Like, wouldn't the ultimate tactic just to be like move to one side of the planet, uncloak, fire a bunch of times, cloak again, move to the other side of the planet, like before right. they get to you? <laughs> right. It's because right they're they're lazy and they lack imagination. You know what can I say? <laughs> That's definitely what's going on there. No, no one read. No one read skull, forehead, tattoos, man. Uh, uh, famous treaties on war and how, to, <laughs> how to win with cloaking so they, they his copy of his copy of ayn rand <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry all right Simbaki shrug. <laughs> all right i'm done Simbaka shrug oh my fucking god i'd, I'd read that book <sighs> oh dear Br- uh so the uh, uh, Bronsky and Nara leave for the surface within a shuttle. Nara's flying next to in her like one person, not like something between an E-frame and a jumpsuit. Uh, it reminds me a lot of um, Winfield's uh, E-frame when you oh, have that yeah. flashback. It looks like kind of like the the fancy fifty years later version of that. Yeah, but instead of having like the cool like techno helmet that Winfield had, she gets a fishbowl. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, it's design changes. They think this looks sleek, but the retro looks probably still cooler. It'll come back in another generation or two. They'll, like, cycle back through, and it'll be, like, the kind of, like, Art Nouveau version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as as they're coming in, Bronski is caught by high crosswinds and crashes <laughs> the shuttle. Oh, my God. Uh, All right, why is yeah. he piloting? It's like, oh, we have, like, Nara, or we have Bronski. We have our, like, worst pilot or one of our best ones. Let's let's give it to Bronski. Yeah. Like, Bronski has proven time and time again, like, occasionally he pulls off a sweet move, but most of the time he's, like, running into walls. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, like, and in, like, a basic, like, oh, we're going to, like, it's, like, basic flight maneuvers of, like, handling a plane in atmosphere, and he, like, just immediately crashes it. Yeah. Also, so so the the shuttle crashes and Nara finds Bronski hanging upside down from a tree, who then proceeds to like unbuckle himself and do like a like a sideways flip, and land on his feet like a cat. Right. <laughs> People are really good at backflips in this show. Like gravity are. is not holding them back from anything. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is the gravity of Venus, actually? I have no idea. That's a good question. Let's Would find it change out. when you create atmosphere, though? Uh, no. I mean, I'm assuming they have some kind of gravity something. Venus's gravity is almost 91% of Earth's. Oh, okay. Okay, so really, really similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, slightly lighter. Either way, um, I suspect Bronski's kind of like a fat cat, like in that <laughs> he's fat. And like, but he's still graceful, you know. Like he still can like land on his feet, you know. Like our nephew. 
Yes, yes. My brother's <laughs> cat, who is uh, shout out to Darkwing, uh, my large nephew, who is like a enormous, like just chonky uh, little boy. Uh, he kind of is the Bronski of cats, actually. He loves uh, yeah. loves to eat. He's constantly, you know, like begging for food. <laughs> and he's he's a big boy, but he's real graceful. Uh, so yeah, um, Nara decides to go looking for the resistance because they're not showing up. She thinks they should be there by now. And <laughs> I re- like Bronski is a man after my own heart. He just carries around like an emergency hoagie. <laughs> it's like a full hoagie too. That's the best part. <laughs> With like fresh lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, the part that freaks me out. Like I'm like the rest of the sandwich could survive inside a jacket, but I don't know, when vegetables start to get warm, like Maybe he has know. like a refrigerated pocket. Like a hoagie pocket on the inside of his jacket that stays That's... cool. Okay, we need to trademark that shit right now. Right. That is like, brilliant. Like, what if it what if it's what if it's some like what if it has like a self-heating like edible coil inside of it <laughs> it can cool and heat so if you've got something you want to keep warm like a cup of soup or something you can tuck it in there and it'll yeah. it'll keep yes i like it's insulated space space sandwich dude this is this <laughs> the future the future is now let's like <laughs> let's make this a thing the future of food screw Huel. <laughs> i um i also wanted to point out i think like before nara leaves she says something like oh that was like a rough landing and he says i've had harder landings on shore leave <laughs> and i was like yeah. what what does that mean like what are you talking about he is definitely referring to hookers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was kind of wondering like <laughs> right that's a that's a for the parents joke Oh my god! Yeah, uh, those, those times he's had to go to the clinic for antibiotics. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, <a> shot. <laughs> right. Um, I do also want to point out that this hoagie is like the first thing that actually looks like right recognizably as food that we've That's seen true. on this show. That's true. It's, yeah. Although it is the same, the bread on the hoagie is the same color as that like as that like fake turkey leg he was eating a few months. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but like, it's like bread probably should look like that. Right. I don't know That's if turkey should. should. Like. Yeah. Like my boiled chicken leg. Mm. <laughs> boiled to the point that it's like white. That's how, that's how white people do it, though, right? Yep, that's true. No spices, mm-hmm. just boil it. If, uh. if you, I, I guess butter doesn't count as a spice. Butter is a spice. <laughs> I love it. It is now. I, I declare it so. Uh, uh, Nara finds the the resistance camp destroyed and a single survivor who is like really afraid, and he flees from her. Well, she catches. Oh. That's because she's got this giant blue light flashlight, oh, and he's like, "Listen, you're fucking with my melatonin. Like, I can't <laughs> sleep as it is, and now you're flashing this blue light straight into my face." Leave me alone, lady. <laughs> right. Uh, and she she catches up with this guy and he starts ranting about the dragon or the draconis and then uh, a neo sapien patrol shows up and like this guy has like his his face looks like man this guy is never gonna be okay again <laughs> he's seen <laughs> things yeah I mean that's he, he's bloodshot because he's not sleeping 
yeah. again why he doesn't want to be around the blue light. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, also uh, the poor fucking Venusian <laughs> resistance movement yeah. too. It's like, you know, you look at Earth and it's like, oh, it's just a pack of comrades who are always having a good time, but the Venusians are all like starving and slowly dying and being killed off and traumatized and. Well, yeah. So, so I imagine that like the Earth resistance. Like, there's a bunch of military, probably much more, like, military presence on Earth when the invasion happens. So, like, they yeah. can, there's stuff for them to find and scavenge. But the Venusians are just, like, living in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's nothing here. There was no military on Venus beforehand, or at least not a whole lot to speak of. Yeah. Which seems kind of silly. Like, I, I don't know. You'd, you'd think there would be some infrastructure in place for defense or whatever, but... I guess that's the human hubris of the whole situation of like, oh, well, we'll never have to worry about <laughs> another Neo-Sapien uprising. Because <laughs> we treat them fine now. It's great. We gave them Mars. They Who can vote. Mars. <laughs> right. They can work jobs. <laughs> yeah, like they can vote. <laughs> if they have a dissatisf- if they're dissatisfied, I agree with their right to protest, but I prefer they do this peacefully by voting yeah. and things like they that. Just- they just need to work harder, right? Because everyone has equal opportunity in the free market. So if Neo-Sapiens aren't succeeding, it's just because they're lazy. Yeah, right. they just yeah work harder and they'll be set free, right? That's a, yeah. that's a slogan that doesn't have any bad history or anything attached <laughs> to it, right? Elect, elect, elect me and I will deal with this problem of super Neo-Sapiens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. Uh, so... Uh, the, the Neo Sapien Patrol begins to follow Nara. She does some ninja flips to get back to her E frame, and uh, eventually she she kills like she blows off the leg of one of them, and like his leg was in there, right? You would think, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it should be in there, because it ain't no more. <laughs> that guy's that guy's leg is gone, um, and uh, a bunch of other E frames show up as that happens and begin to chase her. Bronsky, she she calls her help. Bronsky and Able Squad rush to her aid. Uh, she's knocked out. Bronsky gets to her and sets off the self destruct on her E frame to blow up the other parts of the patrol. And uh, then they get captured anyways. Like another E frame shows up and just is like, "You're you're coming with us." Yeah. And yeah. a lot of these E frames look like weird and chunky. Yeah, I noticed that the um, they're real boxy. Uh, yeah, like more like they look they look similar to other models, but they have a weird shape to them that makes them look just different enough. I'm like, are those different e frames? I think so. Yeah, because there's the um, there's one of the kind of classic ones with the the disco ball arm, and then the other two are yeah these like weird boxy kind of like linebacker looking e-frames i don't know have we seen something like that before i don't i can't remember like yeah especially the one that picks them up and leaves right there's a bunch of different like weird ones because there's like another one that has like this weird like kind of air intake looking thing over its head too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you see a couple of times maybe maybe what they're trying to demonstrate with that is like Draconis is trying to like use spare parts and shit to build E frames to keep this secret from Phaeton. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. If he's like building his own army and stuff, he's got his own designs that he's making yeah. on the planet. That would make sense. 
Yeah. Uh, 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 Nara, uh, so Nara and Bronsky are taken away. Able Squad is investigating. Uh, they find where her keyframe exploded and the shuttle. And uh, Nara and Bronsky are dropped off with a big human convoy that looks like it's thousands of people, right? Yeah, just right. walking through the desert. Yeah, it looks like there's a fuck ton of people there. And um, as Able Squad is emptying the, sh- the shuttle to figure out, or finding that the shuttle has been emptied by Dracomus' troops, Marsala has a nice little flashback to uh, Nara reminiscing about the Venusian sunrise as they're going somewhere. I don't know if that's before or after the war. And I like when Marsala like, is like, well, actually, it's just a... And she's just like, shh, <laughs> yeah it's he starts metaphorical. like getting into a technical technical explanation of like the light effect or whatever and she's just like Shh. <laughs> no, no, she's course. like no it's hope and stuff come on yeah. it's the sunrise she's like Shh, you big beautiful dummy <laughs> i mean that's kind of what she does to him right <laughs> yeah um is that the same scene like right after masala's flashback where he schools Kaz Takagi, or is that later in this episode? That's a little later uh, in the episode. Yeah, it's a little later. Oh, okay. Later. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how dare you say I don't have emotions? Uh, <laughs> That's my favorite moment <laughs> in yeah. this episode. <laughs> well, I, we'll get to it when we get there. Uh, so Nara and Bronsky are marching with this huge line of people, and Nara collapses uh, because she's been marching for so long. I don't know. Was she injured? Like, of of all the people who would be collapsing from like a long walk, I don't yeah. picture Nara Burns being that person. Right. Um, Bronsky helps her up, and we see like the demonstrate they demonstrate the cruelty of the Neo Sapiens, and Draconis flies over in his cool looking flagship. Yeah, it's like so when that guy was like talking about like oh it was a dragon, then you see that it's like okay that's that must be what he's talking about his like kind of cool personalized like dragon ship. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on, on brand. Um, yeah. And was there a toy of that, by the way? I there wish. Might have been. That, huh? I think I think the only real ship they built a toy of was the Resolute. Okay. Hang I was gonna on, Google it quickly, but uh, I, would, I would like I would like the Resolute and the Olympus Mons. I yeah. Think, I think I the mean, Olympus Mons looked pretty cool. I feel like with three D printing nowadays, you could probably. Just, you know, someone's already made it, but I was just wondering if there was actually, yeah, toys for that kind of level of detail in the show. If someone can make a toy Unicron, like a fully functional toy Unicron, they can make these. <laughs> yeah. What's a Unicron? Uh, Unicron was the, the antagonist of the original Transformers movie from like 1987. Oh, wow. He was a, gi- he was a giant transfor- planet-sized Transformer that ate other planets. That's badass. All right. I'm cool. dropping a picture of him in the Discord now. <laughs> All right. I don't want to sidetrack because right. I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Dra- uh, we then see Draconis discussing with a Neo Sapien foreman or something about, like, you know, they need more supplies. And Draconis is like, well, you're not getting any because we can't do that because Phaeton will find out. And we learn that at this point, like, Draconis intends to take Venus for himself or betray Phaeton. Not sure which. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little unclear, but it's like, is he, is he, is this like something he just wants in his back pocket in case like Phaeton decides to replace them all with Neo Megas? Yeah, well, that that's true. At the end of the episode, we like he really cements the 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 true reason he was doing this is because he's afraid Phaeton will replace the all the like regular Neo Sapiens with Neo Megas. Um, and he go Draconis gives a speech to the to the new people who have arrived. Bronsky says something it wasn't very memorable, and Draconis <laughs> uh, cuts all of their rations in half. And uh, Bronsky asks when they're gonna eat because his stomach oh, is grumbling right. again. Yeah. Which that's that was actually really hilarious because then Draconis is like, "Never half rations for everyone. Fuck off." <laughs> Just like retreats back into his office or whatever. And, and we we meet we meet uh james is here and he he starts to hang out with bronski and nara um james is looking a little bit haggard already right at this yeah, point of the show like his the, cheekbones and lines around his kind of mouth and james without his hat looks weird i yeah. like it yeah <laughs> yeah put the hat back on buddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially as he begins his like downward slide into like just looking absolutely horrible um yeah and that's another thing it's just like that's another thing about just like the venusian resistance side of this you almost kind of wish you could see more of it because like the, what these people have been through they all look so mm. much more haggard uh so much more starved even when you just see them like kind of out in the field compared to like the like happier healthier like earth resistance people yeah the the people on venus like obviously it's shitty on earth but it seems shittier on venus yeah there's probably less infrastructure, less food available. Like, yeah, there's all these farms, but a lot of those get destroyed when this all starts. And yeah, well, it, it drives it drives it drives home the idea that like Venus was Venus seemed more like the idea of a Venusian paradise than other places. So like yeah, like they wouldn't have had the stuff they need to hold a resistance because of that. Yeah, right. Um. cut see the work oh yeah and uh then then we we see the workers mining out the area for this for this fortress and the one the one guy like collapses on the conveyor belt and the neo sapien just chucks him on the conveyor (laughs) belt you're gonna you're gonna gunk up all your machinery with that guy man it's a conveyor (laughs) belt full of rocks as well like it's very very cartoon mine operation (laughs) (laughs) right into the rock crusher with you as his body goes past on the conveyor belt, we see like Bronski, Nara, and James with pickaxes just like hacking away at a a cliffside, I guess. And then they all like dump their rocks on the conveyor belt. So I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, you're right. Like, what's gonna happen to that body? Is it just gonna get? Is there like a giant pile of rocks at the end of the conveyor belt? Is there some sort of mechanism that crushes up the rocks? Like, we have no idea. I'm right. I'm assuming they're turning it all into gravel to make something else. If they're being, uh... if they're being green about it, you know. Being green about it's also the like isn't there like don't they have mining machines is there some kind of like automated thing that would handle this and probably be a lot easier to manage than people because you don't have a security concern there at all i think the impression i think well the impression is that like they couldn't bring that equipment because people would notice they were using that that's fair yeah that's fair that makes sense who cares who cares about thousands of humans though (laughs) (laughs) yeah nobody's gonna notice them missing yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and we go to Able Squad, 
who uh, are searching, continuing to search around the shuttle for the resistance camp and everything. And Nar- Marsala and Takagi are having this conversation where Marsala brings up the possibility that Nara and Bronski are dead. And Takagi kind of throws it in his face. He's like, how could you be so cold about it? And Marsala says, just because I don't demonstrate my emotions like you does not mean I am just as concerned for my squad mates who are like family to me. Right. I think uh, Marsala's like a, and this is totally a contemporary reading being foisted onto something that probably was not intended to do this work, but I feel like he's a really good um, role model or character if you want to talk about mm, neurodivergence, right? That like really broad term for everything from people with ADHD to people with autism. But just, yeah, the idea that like he doesn't express his emotions in the same way as other people doesn't mean he doesn't have emotions or an emotional inner world. It's just, yeah, the humans are like so quick to dismiss him <laughs> as yeah. this unfeeling, uncaring being. I don't know. It's kind of rude as well. I'm just like, you guys should know him by now. Like he probably is the only one who tells a good joke anyway. So I don't know why they keep right. perpetuating the stereotype, but because it's that's ingrained. Racism. It's like, yeah. this is like, this is structural racism, right? Like, everybody right. knows he's a good dude. Nobody's like, none of these people are in whatever the 23rd century equivalent of, like, the uh, KKK for Neo-Sapiens is. Um, <laughs> they're all, you know, and they, like, they like him, they trust him. But at the same time, it's just like they have these, like, ingrained attitudes. Mm. Um, and, you know, because he, ta- he gets into this. He says that, like, you know, like, Neo-Sapiens actually, like, we are just as human as you are. Like, you forget, like, you know, an emotional inner world, as you said, is like. Mm. A, a feature of all human life and he's like we're just as human as you are like maybe this war wouldn't have happened if humans if you humans like terrans could remember this that's like i think like one of the best lines in the show um yeah. you know yeah. this is like that's again like the the, the stuff that makes like extra squad is like a rad sci-fi action show to begin with but it's like that stuff that elevates it above i think a lot of its contemporary stuff is that kind of commentary yeah, one hundred percent. And if it wasn't, if it, I think I think Neo Sapiens had perfect memory. He could definitely bust out a line like, "I have forgotten more horrors of war than you will ever experience in your short lifetime." Right, right. It's like this is my second human, or this is my second Terran Neo Sapien conflict. Right. I was I was the leader of that resistance, and then I've been fighting pirates in the <laughs> exofleet since then. <laughs> Who are you to right. talk to me? yeah right it's like how many brothers and sisters and friends and like you know comrades did as as marsala seen die over the years yeah we don't we do we ever get any indication that marsala was ever not in able squad i think so no but i mean even just think about how many neo sapiens died during the first uprising and how many people he would have lost yeah well what i I was thinking like because there's there's been a long time between then and now yeah. Depending on how long he's been in, he might have been in the Exofleet longer than JT has been alive. Damn. Oh wow. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he joined even like a decade after, like, and I, I, I kind of have a feeling like, because he was the re- he was the leader. I wonder if his joining Exo Squad wouldn't have been like the thing that like you know secured him a pardon more or less. So has he been in it for fifty years now? That's yeah. a long time to have one job. It, if if any if anyone if anyone knows that, let let us know. Has ha, how long has Marsala been in the Exo fleet? Like how many years? 
Jeff Seagal, um, if you're listening. Yeah, because like <laughs> they take it even a step further, right? He may he may have at one point been JT's superior. Yeah, like when Actually, JT was running around in diapers or whatever. Like when, he was when green. JT was a cadet. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Huh. That would be interesting. Uh, all the backstory we need. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, right. Well, and that's, God, come on, please, modern update of this. Like, let's do right? it. Like, let's get five five seasons on, like, a decent platform. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, after that conversation, we see that uh, Bronski and the uh, uh, James and Nara uh, drop a rock on a Neo Sapien and steal his communicator and call out for help. Able Squad is able to listen to that communication and figure out where they are. And they fl- they start to fly towards there. And they get there just before they're all executed. Oh, yeah, because they're put up against a wall. It's going to be like a firing squad, old school style execution, yeah. right? Yep. I, I, I like I like these hover guns. I think those are a cool design. They, mm. they are very reminiscent of the... If you're if you go by the American version of it, the third season of Robotech, like or the second season when they're like these giant mechs like flying around on hover on hoverboards, um, and they so uh, Able Squad gets there. They they manage to they manage to free them. They start a big fight. Uh, it's basically you know they have they have a couple of minutes of fighting and they basically fight back the Neo Sapiens. The resistance gets a bunch of supplies, and uh, Bronski has this cool moment where he like ducks behind one of those hoverboards, takes the gun, and then just like obliterates the Neo Sapien E frame leg set, <laughs> like one of those big ones. Gets in it and flies away with like this single jet, like wobbling back and forth. Yes, <laughs> and he can fly and this just fine. <laughs> it's like it's amazing. He can fly this just fine. But he can't like do basic piloting in this like glider. It's like he, his his skill sets all over the place. It's, <laughs> it, you never know what he's good or bad at. Um, and uh, with that, the resistance escapes with the supplies, and Able Squad returns to space. And uh, this is the part where we see Draconis talking to that foreman again after the battle, and we learn that the reason why he's doing this is because he's afraid that. Phaeton will replace them all with uh, Neo Megas. Right. Yeah. And then we Which... have this touching. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Then we have this touching little scene at the end where um, Marsala uh, brings, uh, tells Nara to look out the window to see the Venusian sunrise from space. Yes, and it's a blinding light. Yes. <laughs> See that? That's the sun. Don't look at it. Ah, Totally look at it. Ah, that's the look of hope and blindness. (laughs) It is. It is, man. What a great romance, though. And the fact that, like, it's you know, uh, spoiler alert, but it's never like it's never fully realized, man. Like, it's it's such a good romance between those two. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I was actually thinking about this while we were watching the episode. Um. When we started this podcast, I was like looking for, uh, hilariously enough, some Nara Marsala like slash fiction, which is out there, but it was all very romantic and not very sexy. Um, 
but one of the th- <laughs> one of the comments I saw like either in one of these stories or um, people talking about it on like a forum or something was like, oh well, they can never really, you know, consummate or realize their relationship because they can't reproduce. And I was like, hang on a wow. second. I was wow. like, firstly, people need dildos. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, hello, welcome to gay people. Um, <laughs> secondly, like, yeah, the whole purpose of relationships is not just reproduction, right? Like, obviously, right. what I'm not judging other people who want to have children, but that's not the primary reason that most people enter into relationships, I feel. I don't know, maybe in my life. Right. Um, plus, it's, you know, whatever year it is in the future, like, I don't know, in vitro fertilization, genetic alteration, I don't know, foster. Right. Foster care? The neo-sapiens <laughs> exist to begin with. It's like, how are you telling you you can't take some of his genetic material and some of her genetic material and make some kind of hybrid? Yeah, some kind of beautiful blue-skinned, blonde-haired test tube baby? Come on. I don't know. So I feel like, again, if if there were to be a reboot of this show, I would like to see that relationship actually come to fruition because it's, again, it's like a really great metaphor for like cross-cultural or cross-racial or whatever relationships um yeah and yeah i don't know marsala's like care for nara is really fucking sweet <laughs> yeah both yeah. of them you know yeah yeah i mean she's sometimes sometimes i I've, not that i doubt her reasoning but like she also has those ingrained human i guess like racist stereotypes right where she's like oh you wouldn't understand this or you know she's just like just hush you big dummy <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, but it's like, it's, that's the thing is like, you know, if we think about the, that earlier, what was that back in season one where she's like, oh, you wouldn't understand. And he kind of sets her straight on that. Yeah. And then you see her sort of working with him. Cause there, I guess there are things where it's like, maybe metaphor is really, they're just, they're very literal minded. And so like metaphor is not exactly a thing yeah. that they like kind of, I would even say it's like kind of more of a cultural thing. Honestly, they just haven't really yeah. ever had the culture to really explore metaphor. Cause like, obviously he's capable of grasping it because at the end of the episode we see him like talking about the sunset is like hope and promise and all this stuff. Mm. But, um, you know, like we kind of see her instead, like it, instead of like saying, Oh, you wouldn't understand. She's inviting him to understand. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I'm not trying to trash Nara. I just, yeah. Well, I to, mean, to see that, he... to see that arc be developed would be nice. Right. There, there is, there is a line that she crosses over to make it a good thing. Right. Like you were saying, Lexi, like, she can, she can be. She 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 was something before where she doesn't where she didn't understand, and a more a worse person would have just been like whatever. Mm. But like the thing that makes it good is that she's like taking what he says and learning from it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <sighs> Romance for the ages. <laughs> oh, I mean, for real though. Oh, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Give me, give me, uh, what's what's a better on-screen romance than Marsala and Nar? <laughs> hmm. uh, oh my goodness! Oh, I don't know. I, now that you've put me on the spot, I cannot think of <laughs> anything, which is so stupid because there's obviously like. 50% of every piece of media I've ever engaged with has a romance of some kind. Well, yeah. that, should say, that should say something, right? If well, you can't think of one right away. Right? It well, says I'm having a brain are, fart. Most of them are like kind of flat and like two-dimensional. Like Most romances are just like, oh, I love you. Like, okay, great, cool, like whatever. Like 
this is actually like I mean there's like it's there's an emotional depth here that's like I think like compelling like not even just for a kids show but just compelling in general right like this is a romance that just has like a lot of just I think emotional depth to it yeah yeah I, I was I was gonna throw out um, if you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, Kevin and the Cap and Captain Holt are the, one of my favorite on-screen romances from anything. Okay, I haven't I think I've watched seen, that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Very very good show. Highly recommend if you have a way to watch it. Um, oh God! Just did, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. They just did their last. They just did their last season. So, right on. Yeah, I have to check it out. Um, leftovers. Uh, Kevin and uh, what's her name on leftovers? Uh, is it is it Nara? Uh, yeah, she also yeah. has an interesting name. I know, I, I know, I know what you're talking about, and like, I like, I like that pick from a Nora. A, a Nora, yeah. It, it's not necessarily a good relationship, but it is a really interesting relationship. Well, and that's the thing is like, I mean, I think. There's like a bunch of times where you would expect in like more kind of standard uh, narratives um, for them to just like tear themselves apart or not be able to like forgive each other or move past something. And yet they still manage to do it. Do you know what I mean? And then like the whole the whole show really with the way that the show ends, I don't want to give away too much for listeners who haven't seen it. Highly recommend going and checking out Leftovers. It's one of the best shows like ever made, period. Um but uh, the way that the show ends really makes it that, like, the story here, everything else is, like, a, just a sideshow to the story of them learning to love each other and just, like, let that be enough. Like, kind of getting past all the trauma, moving past everything else, and learning to just, like, be together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a very yeah. good one. Yeah, I think it's, like, definitely one of the best romances Oh. <laughs> that shows that although I'm not gonna recommend watching that show now because there's a little there's a little too much reality with what we're going through today of two <laughs> percent of the population just fucking disappearing. Yeah. yeah. Fair <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I think Kayvon and I want to rewatch it this year. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. But we're ready. We're ready to do that. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a ride. <laughs> it's a wild show, but man, is it it's so good. Yeah, one of the best television shows I've ever seen. Yeah. It also has that great lady, that like evil lady. Oh, Anne Dowd. Mm. Is yeah, is, Anne Dowd. Yeah, that's her. That, that's her character name, right? Uh, no, no Anne Dowd's uh, the actress. Um, yes, the the actress Anne Dowd. That I love that lady. She is so good at everything she does. <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. Um, the way that she says Justin Theroux's character's name throughout that series too, she's just like Kevin. <laughs> Listen here, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. that's 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 it for that's it for this episode. Yeah, you got got anything you guys want to plug this week? Uh, nope. Nah, not really. Lexi's got some I rad would... new minis up on her uh, her Instagram. If you haven't seen those mm. yet, I've been trying to trying to make time for normal life things as well, but. Uh yeah. Why would I, why would I need hobbies or hopes and dreams? <laughs> this is why if you're thinking about it, do not go and do a PhD, folks. This I know. Is what happens. You'll never you'll never see the Venusian sunrise again. That's <laughs> all no, I'm gonna no say. No promise. 
I'm, I'm glad I'm glad my master's degree dissuaded me from that. It's like, yeah. you know what? Nah. <laughs> right. I'm I, I should have learned my lesson. Uh, uh, I should have been the, good at uh, math. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Kidding. Um, I, I, I'm going to do an anti-plug. If you are a fan of ActRaiser from the SNES, do not buy that re- that remake. It is terrible. <laughs> Shame. I usually don't shit on people's work, but I love that game. <laughs> what not, is... Not good. I'm not familiar with ActRaiser, huh? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it after the show. It's a it's a okay. classic SNES game. Gotcha. Um, but anyways, uh, stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy out there. Keep 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 everyone else around you safe too, and, uh, and happy and healthy. Don't spit in strangers' mouths. Yeah. Don't. Or do. <laughs> but only with your consent, and only after you've been vaccinated for COVID. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this All is right, your everybody. PSA. <laughs> From Doctor Vishami. All right, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Not a medical doctor. <laughs> Not a medical doctor. <laughs> but still happy to give you medical advice. Bye, Squad.